Hi there, and welcome to the PCF Bible Talk Podcast. I'm Brenea, and I'm here today with my coworkers. Hi, I'm Anna. And I'm Skye. And we are here to continue our study of the Bible. Uh, we've been steadily talking about kings, priests, and prophets um, in the Old Testament. Um, and we've been having a pretty good time. And I'm excited because this will actually be our last lesson in the Old Testament as we get ready to shift into the New Testament. And as we've been talking about this this theme of king, priests, and prophets, I know that we all know this, but I think it's worth just explicitly saying that all of these three roles were working together to keep God's uh, people in good standing with them. And so it wasn't like there was a king and then a priest and then a prophet. It was like all three of them trying to work in unison to try to uh, help God's people to stay in solid relationship with him. But as we've been learning, God's people were still struggling, right? And straying away from him, um, even with the kings, the priests, and prophets in place. Um, so one up point uh, during the Old Testament that we just talked about last week was the reign of King Josiah. Um, he becomes king at eight. Uh, he begins singing the Lord in his teens. And by the age of 20, he's purged the country of all idolatry. Um, so Josiah's desire is to renew the people's devotion for God. Actually, a really big moment in Josiah's reign is when he discovered the Book of the Covenant. You know, the law that we learned about earlier that the kings were supposed to know, to write out by hand and obey. Remember, we had this whole conversation about that. So yes, that law somehow was not around. And so Josiah rediscovers the Book of the Covenant and has the law read out loud through Judah and a revival occurs, right? So this is like a really up moment, like, all right, the king's doing what he's supposed to be doing. God's people are doing what they're supposed to be doing. But unfortunately, the revival is short-lived and it ends upon Josiah's death, uh, which we see at the beginning of Jeremiah. And so today we're actually going to jump into Jeremiah. We're also going to go some into Ezekiel. Um, but before we begin reading, let me just share a bit about Jeremiah. Um, so one year after Josiah uh, begins his reforms, God calls Jeremiah to be prophet alongside King Josiah. Um, so like Josiah, Jeremiah is a youth. So he's young, called by God to proclaim God's hope and judgment. So Honestly, the message of Jeremiah is mostly negative. Uh, so it's there's a lot of um, judgment that we see and a warning that's coming. So this is because Jeremiah is the prophet who speaks right before God's people are taken into captivity. So right after many years of warning, it's actually about to finally happen. And Jeremiah is kind of giving them that final warning, like, hey, you need to obey God. You need to obey God. So normally when we think about Jeremiah, we think of the impending doom coming to God's people. But there's actually great hope that we find in the book of Jeremiah. So right against this background of judgment, God speaks of a new covenant with his people that will be heart deep and everlasting. So today we're actually going to be talking about this new and promised covenant as prophesied in the Old Testament. And we're going to string together passages from the book of Jeremiah and Ezekiel to make sense of this covenant. All right. So let's get started uh, just by reading a few verses. Sky, would you start us off in Jeremiah 31? Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. 
So thanks so much, Sky. Let's pause here for a second, because the first thing that is said about the new covenant is that it's not like the old covenant <laughs> um, that God made with their forefathers. So let's just talk about this a little bit. Like, what is the old covenant in that God's referring to here? And what was the problem with the old covenant? Like, what would even be the need for a new covenant? So what, what sticks out to you guys here with those questions? Yeah, well, I think one thing, if we're thinking about the Old Covenant, um, we're thinking about the Mosaic Covenant. That's kind of the law. Um, we kind of call it by these different names. Um, and something there was that the Mosaic Covenant was conditional. Um, God said, here are all these laws. Um, we think Ten Commandments and all the Levitical laws and the sacrificial laws. Um, and here are all these laws. And if you obey, if you follow these laws, then I'm going to bless you. Mm -hmm. But if you turn from me, if you disobey, then you will face judgment. Um, and we see this, God proclaiming this a number of times. And he says this um, with the people when he gives them the laws. Um, so that's something with the old covenant um, that's a little bit different um, than what we're going to see in this new covenant. And different also than what we even saw with the Abrahamic covenant before that, when we talked about the promise um, to Abraham, that he would have land and descendants. And if we remember, we talked about God like swearing by himself that he mm -hmm. would fulfill this. So yeah, just a little bit different what we see the Mosaic Covenant, this blessing for obedience and this judgment for disobedience. Yeah. And that was ended up being the problem with the Mosaic Covenant because thankfully God swore the Abrahamic government by himself and Abraham was asleep. But the Mosaic Covenant, as we talked about, we sort of made the parallel to a wedding ceremony, and God makes that same parallel here, right? He said, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. So this was a kind of mutual covenant, and one of the spouses defected and broke the covenant, and that spouse was the people of Israel. So they couldn't be faithful to their promises that they had made. So if there's a promise with the Mosaic Covenant, it's the people of Israel, and Actually, later in the New Testament, we see in the book of Hebrews, the writer quotes these exact verses from the prophet Jeremiah, but he uses this phrase to introduce it. He says, he, God, finds fault with them when he says, dot, 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 and then it quotes this passage from Jeremiah. So just clearly showing that the problem with this covenant is the people. <laughs> okay, so we see what made the old covenant challenging, right? It depended on an unfaithful people maintaining their side of the covenant, right? It was conditional um, and, and not unconditional, like Sky said, like something like the Abrahamic covenant. So I, I know that I would have struggled to keep it, right? <laughs> like doing what I need to do all the time to remain faithful to God. But even with his challenges, God used the old covenant to bless his people. So before we shift into thinking about the new covenant and the great gift of that is, um, let's just talk about what were some of the blessings that God's people received under the old covenant? Yeah, well, I think one of the kind of first blessings um, I think of is just that he reveals himself to the people. Um, he gives them this law um, and he's just saying, this is how you love me. This mm. is how you walk with me. Um, and you think in the, when they're in the wilderness, um, shortly after kind of receiving this law, um, you see just many ways where he continues to reveal himself to them, where he just provides food for them, manna and quail on certain days. Um, you read about him providing water, water coming from a rock when they were thirsty and complaining. Um, so yeah, just some blessings 
that God gives, um, just how he reveals and kind of does these miraculous things with the food and water providing kind of for their needs. Yeah, I just think of the marriage metaphor. I mean, God is is a faithful spouse. He is not unfaithful. So he gives a lot of blessings to the people of Israel, like throughout their history. Um, like he does give them the land of Canaan and does give them this nation and growth in population and those kinds of things that he had promised to Abraham. So those blessings start to be revealed to the people of Israel, even though they aren't fully faithful in executing all that God tells them to do. He still blesses them with a lot of material things. Yeah, and we've talked about um, a few times kind of earlier as we've been looking at the drama of redemption throughout the Old Testament so far. And part of the thing we've talked about um, is how God has kind of like blessed the people in their land. Anna, you were mentioning that. Um, They get the promised land, but also just in conquering different nations and armies. Um, You think of David. David is a warrior king, really. Um, He conquers many lands and not on his own strength, but on God's. God gives victory over to Israel time and time again. I think also it's always better to know more about God than less, Mm. right? And they knew more about God than so many people. And they had this amazing law, actually, that told them a lot about what God valued and what God required, but also how they could worship Him rightly. Mm. And that was such a gift because, you know, God is sort of a mystery to us if He doesn't reveal Himself to us. And He revealed Himself to them and told them, this is how you can approach me through this priestly system, through the sacrificial system, and you you can make things right with me this way. So those things are a blessing. To know that is better than not to know that. Right, right. Yeah, there really is so much beauty in the Old Covenant. Um, and the, we also see, despite all of this grace, uh, God's people forgot the Lord time and time again, right? Constantly failing um, under the covenant that they had with him, right? To uphold their part, which really points us to this need for a new and better covenant, right? So thank God that God had a plan, right? Like he had a plan. He saw this. Um, so let's continue to read about the new covenant. We're going to now continue reading Jeremiah 31. And now we're just going to read verses 33 through 34. Anna, would you do that for us? For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Wow. 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 So um, this is really exciting. Um, So I want us to just discuss a little bit, like, what are the emphasis of the new covenant? There's a lot here. I'm just always amazed. Like these are two verses, y'all, right? It's such a short passage that Anna just read, um, but so impactful, um, important so much to Jesus. So um, I'll start us off. One thing that really sticks out to me here um, is that it's something that's being uh, established and instituted by the Lord himself, right? Like I will make a new covenant. I'm going to create this. And again, it's going to be distinct from the old covenant in this way, because again, I am the one who's providing the full way, sort of like we saw um, where it won't be dependent on the people in this way. So that's something I'm like, yes, that's what we need because the people fail. What else sticks out to you all as the, the emphasis of this new covenant? 
Yeah, well, in that language of God doing, um, I will, he says, and one of those sentences or phrases is, I will put the law within them and I will write it on their hearts. So just kind of speaking to this inner transformation, um, this knowledge of God they're going to have, um, and it's not just going to be something external. Um, it's not going to be something that you'd be able to see kind of as you would think, as you think of in the old covenant, you'd see them going and sacrificing, mm-hmm. um, but within their hearts, there's going to be change. Um, God's just going to put these things on their heart, um, which is just incredible for me to think of like God working the heart change kind of within um, and not just relying on kind of external factors. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, kind of another aspect of that is he says that they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. There will be this equity of experience of relationship with God. Right. Um, and it's not just mediated by other people, either through priests or other people in that old system. But instead, we just all are brought into God's God's presence in some way. And it doesn't spell that out, but it does contain this promise, they shall all know me. And then the end is so so great too. I mean, it's for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Mm-hmm. Again, we talked about the book of Jeremiah and how it has so much judgment in it. And if we were reading the whole thing, this is just like a breath of fresh air from God that he is like, but I will forgive their iniquity and I'll remember their sin no more. And again, we don't know how will he forgive it? How will he not remember it? But there's an idea that sin will be dealt with. And that is such a great promise. Right, right, right. This is really exciting. This is really good news. And I actually feel really giddy because can you imagine, right? We talked about uh, the sacrifice system. Like if you do this, you need to sacrifice this kind of goat. If you do this, you need to sacrifice this kind of goat. Or if you're a priest, you got to do this, right? And the fact that like, there's going to be a covenant where no human like uh, intermediary is necessary. That has to be mind blowing, right? I'm like, you would, they would be hearing this and it kind of sound like a fairy tale. Like, well, what is God going to do? Like, well, what will the sacrifice be? Right. They could have no idea of what would be done um, to be able to reconcile us and strengthen relationship with God. So I just can imagine hearing this and fit, like thinking just like Anna said, like a huge feeling, a huge sigh of relief. Like, wow, it's going to bring about heart change. And it's not going to be dependent on me. This actually sounds too good to be true. Yeah, so this is really exciting. This is really, really good news. And something else that's really amazing, we just read about this new covenant um, in Jeremiah, but God also assures his people, reaffirms this covenant, and adds insights to it through the next generation of prophets. So let's just spend a few minutes reading how Ezekiel, who was a priest and a prophet, affirms and adds to this covenant, uh, even when 500 miles away in Babylon while in captivity. So Anna, would you read Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, verses 24 through 28? And then Sky, right after she finishes, would you read chapter 37, verses 26 through 28? Ezekiel writes, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. From chapter 37. 
I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them. And I will set them in their land and multiply them, and will set my sanctuary in their midst forever. My dwelling place shall be with them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord who sanctifies Israel, when my sanctuary is in their midst forever. Thanks so much. So how does Ezekiel's message about the new covenant um, echo Jeremiah's? And what new things do we learn um, about the covenant that we don't um, hear through Jeremiah? Well, here there's an emphasis on land as well, returning them to the land that they were promised. And it is amazing to me that God doesn't give up on his covenant promises to Abraham, right? Mm. The land and the people. And he's saying, I will make you a people and I will give you a land again, and you will still be my people and I will be your God. Like this is such a refrain Mm. that God is seeking a people for himself. And you would just think at this point, They're like in exile in Babylon after centuries and centuries of disobedience that God would just give it up, Mm -hmm. but he doesn't. And he reaffirms those commitments. Um, So I think Ezekiel kind of dispels that out even a little bit more than Jeremiah adding the emphasis on the land. So I think something that kind of gets added in here um, in Ezekiel is when he's talking about the dwelling place, the sanctuary, um, because we didn't see that kind of explicitly stated before. Um, and this is something that God's people would have had a concept of, the dwelling place. They have the tabernacle, then they have the temple. Um, we've kind of talked about those things. Um, and, and just seeing here where it's like, okay, you're going to dwell in the land, as we've talked about, but then also that God's dwelling place, his sanctuary will be in their midst forever. Um, and that's just something to see that it's like, okay, this is going to be permanent Um, And it might not be a permanent structure, um, even though that's probably what they're thinking, Um, but just seeing how this permanence is going to go even beyond their nation um, and be a witness to the nations around them. Just that is going to be something that proves kind of to the nations around them that God is with them and God is in their midst. And just to add to that, Sky, I mean, Ezekiel, early on in Ezekiel, he had a vision of God's glory leaving the temple in Jerusalem. So there was a definite idea that God had left his people out of judgment. So the idea that he's going to come back and dwell with them again is very hopeful for them. Mm. And it requires what it's talking about. I will sprinkle you clean water in you. You shall be clean. Like he's acknowledging that they have all these uncleannesses, all these idols that they're just caught up with. But God is still committing to making them righteous and purifying them. I think the sprinkling is kind of the idea of a ritual cleansing under the Mosaic law. So he's saying he will make them righteous again in some way. And he will be the one to do it. I will sprinkle clean water on you. Um, so there's some kind of, just like Jeremiah said, there's a transformation happening here, um, a change that's being brought about in the people. Yeah, this this idea of like the emphasis on what God is going to do, um, just like he said, he says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk on my statues, right? So this new covenant um, is going to be everlasting. It's going to help you to obey me. Um, it also says it's going to bring about peace. Like all of these beautiful and amazing things, I will be their God and they will be my people. So, right, the new covenant is really 
good. And again, like this is such a breath of hope and relief for God's people, which again, when Ezekiel wrote this, right, in captivity in Babylon. So for God to speak such loving truth is amazing. Um, And it's in a covenant that is empowering God's people by his spirit to keep his law that's going to give them peace and have them live in relationship with him, right? Like, whoa. All right. Now, we know the one who fulfills this covenant is Jesus. So let's just give a quick summary of like how Jesus actually fulfills this covenant, y'all. Because as we're talking about how this is really good news and how God does it himself and gives us his spirit, it's like, okay, Jesus does this, but how does he do this? So Anna, could you just, uh, you know, break this down for us really quickly? Yeah, and we're definitely going to spend the second half of the semester talking about this when we do the New Testament. But we do see in the New Testament that God is going to be the one who restores the relationship with the people of Israel, but also God's people more broadly than they even imagined, just like um, was said, even from the least to the greatest. And those who were far off, even the Gentiles would be brought into this covenant. So Jesus, when he um, dies on the cross, the night before he does that, he takes a cup of wine and a bread. And he says, I'm establishing a new covenant in my blood for, for, for the forgiveness of sins. And so it's through his death that he forgives our sins and through his resurrection that he invites us into new life with Christ. And he becomes our prophet, our priest, and our king, everything for us. And it is God who accomplishes it through him. He comes down and he does it for us himself, you know, and he in that way, he just takes the burden of this covenant-making promise under Jesus, this new covenant, all on himself. And just like, more like the Abrahamic covenant, all we need to do is respond in faith and put our trust in God. And then we enter into that covenant. Um, so a lot more to say, but there's a short summary. Amen, amen, amen. So much goodness. Um, so we're going to... In Bible study, we're going to talk a little bit more about like what this new covenant means for us. And like Anna said, we're going to be talking about this throughout um, the rest of the semester. But one question that I've been exploring with quite a few women in personal hour, uh, plug for personal hour. If you're not in one, you should reach out. Um, We'd love to meet one-on-one with students. But one question that we've um, been exploring is like, what makes the good news so good, right? So I'd like us to just close out with considering this question together. For um, us personally, you, me... Um, and those listening here, uh, what about this new covenant through Jesus is so good. So I'll start us off for myself. One thing, um, that the good news means to me is that like, I'm freed from the need to be perfect, right? Because God has done all the work uh, by his power through Jesus, it really just kind of frees me from my like my inclinations of perfectionism of like, oh, I have to do this and I have to do this and I have to do that to be right with God. And I really get to live in the peace of like, man, even when I fall short, God has still already made a way for me. Um, so just that like that loving abundance, um, yeah, is, is really uh, what feels so good to me just about this new covenant that we have through Jesus. Yeah, and I think um, something I've been thinking about, actually, as we've been going through kind of this lesson in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, um, just thinking about like the people in Jeremiah and Ezekiel's time, um, they really have no idea what God is really saying or what he's promising with this new covenant. Um, And I'm thinking of there's a verse in Ephesians which talks about God being able to do so much more than we can even imagine. 
And I'm just thinking how good that is. That's just one thing that's resonating with me is that God is able to do so much more, so much more good, so many more blessings. He's able to work things together in ways that we can't even imagine. And that's just one piece of what makes this new covenant so good. It's just how God can work things together. Um, that I imagine like something good and what God has in store is just so much better. He just piles more on top of that. So that would just be one thing about this new covenant um, that just points to how good it is. Well, I'm thinking you guys know me. I tend to be like cerebral and macro and history oriented. So I have personal answers too. And I think personally, I really connect with what Brene is saying. You know, just this idea that God is inviting me into a place where I am praising him, not perfecting myself, and that that is like a beautiful thing to be called into. And then the more historically minded cerebral theological part of me is thinking kind of with Sky, just how God has done abundantly more than all that we could ask or think. Like this extension, I mean, I'm grateful that I'm included in this new covenant. As a Gentile woman, I am thankful that this random history of this people in the Middle East in like 500 BC, that this message expanded to me in 2020. One, what are we in? 2021, 2021 in the United States of America. You know, like the the incredible expansion of this news that everyone would have the opportunity to know God and to be one of God's people in a way that just wasn't fully realized earlier and is ever expanding. Like as the good news continues to be shared around the world and more people are brought in, like it's, it's amazing what the new covenant has become when you think of the scope um, within the people of Israel and its scope now. So that's my macro self kind of delighting in that. And then, um, but personally as well, so thankful for the new covenant on many levels, of course. Amen. So those are some of my thoughts. Thanks for sharing. Go ahead, Sky. And Anna, I just loved when you said like ever expanding. Mm. And also from what we read here, another word is like everlasting. Mm. This isn't going away. It's here and it's here to stay until God brings even more fulfillment, until he conquers death. Um, once and for all. But yeah, just everlasting. Yes. It's not going anywhere. It's an eternal yeah. promise we have. So good. Yeah, like Jesus has already done it. Hashtag done. Can't be <laughs> right? Like it's it's finished. Um, and it's really amazing to see how the Bible tells one incredible and cohesive story about our fallenness, um, God's pursuit of us, um, and then our restored relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Um, so we're excited to have you all in Bible study this week to dive deeper into this covenant and how um, God uh, through Jesus makes us right with himself. Um, and we're excited that over the rest of the semester, we're going to be going into the New Testament. So thanks for tuning in with us today and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.